everyone, and welcome to the Reformed Dissenters. Thank you so much for watching us or listening to us today. Uh, my name is Bruce Johnson. I am in the state of South Dakota. I'm also joined by my brother Jacob Johnson back in Pennsylvania. So uh, thank you so much for watching us. Unfortunately, Joe uh, was not able to join us today, but um, he will be with us on our next episode. You can share this show with as many people as you can. We would love it if you could do that. Go to our website, which is trdshow.net. Grab that link. Share it with all your friends, everybody you can think of that might want to watch the show. Um, we've got some very exciting updates. I mentioned last week, but we made a significant amount of progress on the website this week. So I'm thinking two to three weeks, we're going to have the new site out and launched. So very exciting things coming down the pike. So definitely keep your eyes open for that. Um, you can email the show at trdshow at protonmail.com. I would love to hear from you, our audience, uh, questions, um, tips, anything you'd like to share with us, new information, we would love to hear from you. Um, we have some deep dives on our pro first amendment platforms. We haven't put one out in a while, but, uh, you never know when we might be able to produce one of those deep dives, but, uh, it's always a good idea to follow us on pro first amendment platforms anyways, because one of these days we are going to be censored. This is no longer an if it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when. So follow us on our pro first amendment platforms before we get kicked off of main big tech platforms such as YouTube and, uh, and the like Apple podcasts, Spotify, all of those are ramping up right now, removing people who don't agree with them and who dissent against their worldview. So follow us on platforms that don't do that, such as Rumble, Gab TV, Odyssey, and Gab. We'd love to see you on those platforms. Please, please follow us there. Uh, next week, we will not be uploading an episode. Um, Jacob and I will be um, in out of state uh, recording a, uh, or actually not recording, but um, going to a, a funeral uh, that weekend. So we won't be uh, recording an episode that weekend. So it'll be two week break, but we will be with you um, after that week. Our theme this month is what does it really mean to be salt and light in this dark world? So a lot of what we're going to be talking about today is tying in, going to tie into that theme. What does it really mean to be salt and light in this dark world. So what are we going to do today? First, we're going to kick it off by talking about our current events and um, all the interesting things that happened this week. And interesting is a is an interesting choice of words because some of the things that happened are um, profound on multiple levels in multiple different ways. So we're very excited to break some of those down and, and share those with you. Uh, we're also going to be, after that, we're going to be talking about the literature of the month. And our literature this month is The Confessional County by Raymond Simmons. Very, very exciting book. We're coming down the home stretch, almost wrapping up this book. It's taken us two months, uh, but it's a very, very interesting book. There's a lot involved. So we can't wait to break down the chapters we read this week with you on the show after our current events segment. But before we get to all of that, we have to talk about the verse of the week. And our verse this week is Ephesians chapter 8, verses 8 through 14. And it says, Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and true and right. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful to even speak of the things that, that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. And that uh, verse is Ephesians chapter 8, verses uh, 8 through, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 14. So walk as children of light. 
plays into our theme very well this month, which again is, you know, talking about what does it really mean to be salt and light? We focused a lot on salt preserving culture. Um, but then Raymond Simmons has in the last couple chapters talked a lot about light. And we're going to be talking about that today on the show as well. Um, talking about making the nations. I mean, he uses the phrase jealous, making the other nations jealous of our success as a confessional county, as a nation that follows God. The other nations will want that. And that's what that's a part of what light means. Um, and in this case, Ephesians, you know, in the book of Ephesians, in this chapter, we're, we're talking about exposing the unfruitful works of darkness. And there is so much to this verse. Um, but, you know, not taking part in those acts, in those unfruitful works, but exposing them, bringing them to light, shedding light on the evil that's in this world so that we can eradicate it, right? We're, we're, we're bringing it to the surface so that we're showing people, hey, this is a problem. We need to fix it. They don't want that to be brought to light. They want it to be suppressed. They want it to be hidden so that people don't know it's there and they can't fight against it. They can't, um, uh, uh, they can't actually b- stop it. So that's what we're called to do. We're, we're called to expose these unfruitful works of darkness and to try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord while we're doing that. So this is a, a very important verse to remember. Um, so we're going to get into our current events. Um, and uh, Jake, we will have you kick things off. All righty. So my first headline starts talking about the um, trucker convoy. And if you haven't been living under a rock for the past week or so, (laughs) then you will have already heard about this convoy that is going on in Canada. Yes. You know, it's funny. um, Probably two weeks ago, three weeks ago, before before this whole thing started, I was like, man, you know, you know, it'd be really cool. We, we have healthcare workers, we have military people, those sorts of people, we've heard about them doing strikes and saying, you know what, if you're going to force us to get jabbed, then we're not going to work here anymore. And we saw them leaving in droves, right? But I'm like, you know, it'd be really cool if the people that bring us all of our food, all of our Amazon packages, all everything we need every day to live, it would be kind of neat if they also did the same thing because then the people up there would really hurt they would really feel what it actually does when you when you inflict tyranny and then all of a sudden the canadian trucker convoy started to grow and i was like that's so cool this is actually happening (laughs) so i'm very excited to talk about this go ahead jake yeah and uh the headline of my first article is ottawa police start making arrests seizing fuel from canadian truckers (sighs) wow convoy wow yeah, and uh, let me just, before I get really into this um, headline in this article, uh, a basic overview for those that really don't understand what's going on uh, about what has been going on in Canada is that these truckers from all over Canada and some from the U.S. are rallying at the capital of Canada in wow. Ottawa. Uh Now, this is because of the vaccine mandate that's been going on in Canada that truckers crossing over the American-Canadian border uh, have to be have to show proof of vaccination. Hmm. Uh, 
Yep. And so then they started doing these uh, trucker convoys. And uh, in this, in what I'm going to be talking about, I have multiple different articles talking about the subject and the different facets of, of this trucker convoy. And the first that I wanted to bring up is uh, the cleverness of these Canadians and what they <laughs> do after um, the police start seizing uh, the fuel. So... The, as I've mentioned, the, the police have started arresting people, uh, first of all, for uh, for other reasons. They're, they've just started arresting people, and they haven't arrested people over the fuel. However, they have been taking the fuel cans because <laughs> wow. these people, these Canadians are bringing fuel cans in to help the truckers and refuel their trucks. Right. And so, but the police have been coming in and stealing those. Wow. And um, I think it's interesting what they do in response to that. But first of all, uh, I wanted to mention that seven people have been arrested at this event and 60 people are under investigation. Wow. Yeah. Mm. And like I've been saying, the best part of this is how the Canadians respond. Mm. Uh, Now the Canadians are coming uh, with fuel cans where some are full and some are empty. <laughs> yes. So they and never so, know. Yeah. 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 So the the police are uh, taking and seizing just empty fuel cans. <laughs> and yeah. some of the fuel cans that are full get through. And so now they're able to refuel the trucks. <laughs> that is amazing. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. And that that was just so amazing and funny to me yeah but my second article the headline is truckers from convoy to dc 2022 america is next (laughs) we can only hope that that amount uh that that spirit is still in america yeah well there's already um there's already a plan to start a convoy from california and go all the way to dc hmm and this convoy and spreading in uh, most parts of America, and sorry, in some parts of America, and the hope of these truckers is to have a chain worldwide. Wow. That's and, awesome. Uh, the Who would have thought truckers, we'd be talking about truckers being the ones doing this? You know, like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, out of nowhere. I, it makes total sense because in some ways they are some of the most – we could call them some of the most powerful people in the sense that they control all of our resources. If they don't work, mm-hmm. we don't get anything delivered to stores. We don't get lumber. We don't get uh, well, any groceries of any sort. We don't get Amazon packages. You know, like if they don't do their jobs, people are really going to hurt. And right now, this is exactly what we need. This this is amazing. I just it's just seems to me like one of the most unlikely sources, but it's amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the group of truckers in Canada are fi- um there are 50,000 trucks lined up in Canada currently. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And there are multiple uh, reports of American trucks joining them. Hmm. And 
this is all over the vaccine mandates. Yes. And other COVID-19 mandates. Nice. So, yeah, I thought that was very um, encouraging that it's now starting in America. And yeah. also, we've seen, we're seeing the impact this is actually having in Canada. Mm. And this is shown through another article, which headline reads, Freedom Wins. Canadian yes. provinces lift COVID-19 yes. mandates after trucker protests. That's awesome. There were four provinces, right? Uh, I don't know if it was said exactly how many. Okay. But, yeah, they've, they've started lifting some. However, nice. the article didn't say that uh, the order for the vaccinations was lifted. So that that hasn't wow. been lifted yet. Yep. Um, oh, and and the funny thing is, I mean, it's it's not funny. They're lying through their teeth. They're being sore losers, really. They're saying, "Oh, our, we aren't doing these restrictions anymore." But it's not because of the truckers. So don't think that for a second. It's not the truckers. We just decided, uh, coincidentally, we're just not gonna do this anymore. It's like. <laughs> It's like, oh, okay, yeah. right, sure. I'm sure there's no correlation whatsoever. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. But the but that that leads me into my next article in talking about that they haven't lifted that restriction yet, uh, which was actually an article done by Doug Wilson on hmm. uh, this topic. Nice. And the headline there reads. Uh, democracy comes on 18 wheels. <laughs> love it. But I love it. Uh, he and I, I didn't mention this uh, before. And I, I was going to mention it here, but I, I don't seem to put it in. But I just wanted to say and what ties this together is that Doug Wilson talked about how the Canadians they, in order to get this to be a successful movement in what they're doing, they need to continue until that vaccine mandate is lifted. So mm. yes, other yep. COVID-19 yep. measures have been lifted, but he, uh, Doug, Doug Wilson was saying they continue, they need to continue pushing to get that vaccine mandate. Yes. Uh, yes. Taken don't, out. don't just settle for less. Yep. Right. Right. Yeah. Because that's what they're going to try to do. They're going to try and, and push it. You know, it's just like any any negotiation that happens, you know, each side has to give a little. But right. in, in this case, it's, it's not just a regular negotiation. This isn't just a negotiation for a used car, you know? Like, we're not just bartering here and saying, right. all right, you lower the price by 300 and you'll have yourself a deal. You know, like, back and forth and back. That's not what the... You are literally negotiating over basic god-given human rights the ability to have bodily autonomy when you are not going against god's word the ability to say you do not have the authority to inject a chemical into me that is not your authority that god did not give the civil government the authority to force forcibly inject chemicals either you do this or you you lose your job you don't get to feed your family that's not at all authority from God to civil government. So this is not a negotiation. And I, I totally agree. You know, they can't compromise here. There is no, well, they, they pretty much gave us everything we wanted. So, all right, we'll, we'll back off. We'll fight the rest of the fight later. It's like, no, 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 no. You're, you're all in now. This is, this yeah. is for 
some of the biggest stakes. And as I'm about to read with my next article, the stakes could not be higher because of the detriment, what, what the alternative option is. It, it's, it's horrendous. So yeah, totally yeah. agree. Yeah. And, uh, moving into this, Doug, um, Mr. Wilson's article, and he begins to talk about the idea of a preference cascade. And in a brief explanation of this, um, it is where someone who thinks that they believe, uh, who thinks what they believe or their grievances are isolated, mm. where he is the only one who believes them. However, yeah. he then makes a stand for what he believes and notices that everyone else is standing with him. Mm. Yep. And and this is kind of what uh, uh, Douglas Wilson says. This is the cause for why <clears throat> this is happening in Canada. And he goes on to the fact that we here in America are trying to do the same as the truckers in Canada. But he notes that the fact that the trunk that the convoy was either a perfect storm or very geniusly planned and that the Amer and that here in America, it would be hard to get such an effective movement. Mm. Uh, the next point he brings up is that the Canadians had vaccine mandates to gripe about, but we here in America do not find vaccine mandates for the regular person or for the truckers either. Uh, so a question arises, what do we, what do we demand if there was if this was to happen? Hmm. And Mr. Wilson's answer to this is that we must demand that all restrictions and measures related to COVID be eradicated. Hmm. Yep. Yep. And here comes to the point that even these truckers and sorry, before I move on to that, um, <laughs> Yeah, and so we we must ask for more because we don't we don't have this vaccine mandate because it hasn't gotten to that point yet. Right. And but however, not to say that oh okay then we don't then we don't do this here in America until we get <laughs> to the point of having yeah. a vaccine mandate. So wait till it gets no no horrible. we still want to push this you yeah. know. And so we we have to demand more and go even further. Yes. Stop. Yes. Stop with the whole vaccine. Stop. Uh, with the whole COVID-19 mandates of any kind. And yep. we go back to the way it was in 2018 or 2019, yeah, 2019. sorry. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, it's it's reminding them who is really in charge here in America. You know, like, it's meant to be a representative government of the people, by the people, right? For the people of the, you know... The people are the focal point, <laughs> you know, like that it's not meant to be unelected bureaucrats that the people did not put there representatively. They're not meant to be the ones making all of these decisions. I mean, the civil government shouldn't be involved in these decisions, period. But the purpose of this is also to remind them, hey, you know what? We have rights for a reason. We have freedom of speech to, and that's not freedom of freedom of of nice, comfy speech, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't need an amendment for that. Everybody likes to be told nice things. That's freedom for offensive speech, right? That that's that's what that's for. We have the Second Amendment. In addition to that, that's not 
for hunting. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's a nice thing that we get out of it, is we get, we get some weapons to hunt with. But it's meant to keep our government in order if we need it. You know, that, that's meant to be there to remind them that, hey, you work for us. You are there. Uh, you work under God. God is your head. And then we are the ones who put you there to work for us to provide justice. So that's what this is that's what this is doing. And I can't think of a better way to do this. Like a a more peaceful way of doing this. They're literally mm-hmm. saying, "No. We yeah. it, you want to do this to us. We're we're saying no. We are not they're literally it's a it's a lack of action. It's not attacking the capital. It's not an, a violent action. It's a lack of action. They're saying no. Yeah. We're just, we're stopped. Okay, we're done. We're going to wait this out. It's a stalemate. What are you going to do? You're going to let us yeah. live our lives or are you going to continue thinking that you own our bodies and you can inject whatever you want into them? So yeah, yeah it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that that is totally true. And that that is the best way of doing this. Like saying, we're, we're the ones working. We're the ones keeping this country together kind mm. of. And so, yep. If if you want to do this to us, then no, no, we're done. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, and finally we come to the point of that these truckers are sinners too. Yep. And and that is something that if we want to do this here in America, that's something we need to take into account. Mm. Um, and the question arises. Are these truckers doing this for the glory of God? Are they doing it for the right reasons? Yeah. And I think if you ask them, it would have little to do with faith, <laughs> but about politics. Yep. Uh, yeah. But it's a really good point. No. What is that? It's a really good point. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But as we know, those two go hand in hand. Hmm. Um, both politics and faith must work together. Otherwise, politics don't work by themselves yeah i i think one important thing to note is that it's it's not a two-way street it's a one-way street right we want faith to influence politics we don't want it the other way around but unfortunately that's what we see a lot of today you know the the Mm -hmm. the politics of the day the republican party democratic party yeah i don't know if you're if you can still be a democrat and you know have faith in (laughs) you know whatever higher being you want to ascribe, you know, false or otherwise. Um, but a lot of what happens today is the, the political aspect, you know, influences the faith. So yeah, it's, it's important. You're totally right. We, we need that, that faith at the center of it and that influences should influence our politics directly. Yeah. 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 Um, but just because these truckers are sinners and may not be doing it for the glory of God, we can. Hmm. Yeah. And we need to be involved in either this trucker convoy or other types of uh, protests or something like that in, in order to make sure that this is – we're doing it the right way. Yes. And, and that yep. is to bring the government – the civil government back under the authority of God. Mm, yep. Yep. And last point, uh, 
Mr. Wilson speaks on the dangers of having this convoy here in America. The danger is just like January 6th, the left can sway and turn this to look like an insurrection. Yep. Yep. That's their game. And so basically we have to do it. And and I don't know exactly how if if since we've been seeing how January 6th was really the FBI infiltrating yes. the protest and making it look bad. Yes. So it really wasn't even the people making mistakes. Right. It, it it really wasn't even their fault at all. Well, yeah. And I think what, what we need, it, it's there's a lot that could be said here. Two things, though, that I would say. One, that's what they want. They want us to be scared of congregating together to stand up against tyranny. That was part of what they wanted. That was a result of January 6th. Then they, they grabbed a few stragglers and they threw them in jail without, without uh, uh, prosecution, without you know, due process. They threw them in jail. They're still in there today as a threat. That's a threat. They're saying, be scared of us. Be afraid of us. We can do this to you. But we need to say, no, we're still going to do this anyways, but we're going to do it the right way. We're going to do it peaceably. We're going to do it from a biblical standpoint, exactly what you're saying, Jake. But I think the second part of that is we need people in civil government who are willing to say, willing to actually get to the truth of it. You know, one thing I, Rand Paul did last year was went out just the, the January 6th, the evening of January 6th, when they made all their addresses in Congress, right? Um, he, I, I was not happy with what he said. He turned his back on those people. Instead of saying, we need to get to the truth and figure out what actually happened, he took it at face value and said it was a violent insurrection, essentially. I'm, I'm, you know, not as, not exact words, but that was the gist of what he was saying. And so many other people did that. They didn't look into the matter. I'm not asking people to be biased. I'm not asking them to throw, say the, the riots of BLM were bad, but any riots that that's done by Republicans seemingly are good, right? That, that's not what I'm asking for. What I'm asking for is in either case, any case, the truth is what matters. Not a political scheme, not a, well, the Republicans were involved in this one or the Democrats were involved in this one. So we're going to ostracize this one and make it evil. We're going to make the Republican one seem like, oh, it wasn't a big deal. No, no, no. What is the truth about both of them? You know, yeah. get to the truth. And, and we need people who actually care about getting to the truth. So that, to me, was one of the biggest issues. It's, it's still coming out. We're getting more and more data now about January 6th and about who was actually involved and about the FBI involvement and about them actually antagonizing people and getting them into to fights and all of that. We're, we're getting evidence now a year later because the people didn't ask for the truth last year, early enough. They were happy to call it an insurrection as opposed to saying right away, no, we need to have proof. We need to get to the truth of what actually happened before we start calling this an insurrection. So, uh, to me, that I think is one of the most important things. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And, and that's how it could be different, too. You know, like, that's how this, if a, if a huge, let's say we get 200,000 truckers that make it to D.C., right? Or more. Like... 
it would be different if our leaders, Rand Paul, um, Ted Cruz, um, all of those people said, you know what? We're not going to jump to conclusions like we did last year. We made a mistake. I'm not going to include Ted Cruz in that because I don't remember what his statements were, but Rand Paul especially. We made a mistake calling it an insurrection without knowing the truth. We're not going to make that same mistake this time. Even though the left is pushing for that, we're going to say, you know what? Let's look at the proof. Let's look at the evidence. And if anyone gets thrown in jail for this, you're on the hook now, you know, because we don't have proof. They need due process and whatever clause that's in our documents that allows us to do that to people, we need to get rid of it (laughs) because you cannot be put in jail without due process. Mm -hmm. So... Yep. Anything else you wanted to add? Sorry. <laughs> nope, nope. That was the end of cool. my articles and that discussion. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that that is that is it's both exciting and you're totally right, terrifying. <laughs> By the same token, you know, like it's like, oh, this could go if this comes to America, this could be one of the most this could potentially be one of the most powerful movements we've seen in a long time. But also, it has the potential to be January 6th, 2020. Uh, 2021 on a much grander scale because now they practiced you know like january 6th was kind of their practice session to see if they could really do this they could pretend like a whole section of of the american populace were violent insurrectionists who wanted to overthrow the government can we pretend that make it look like that doctor the footage and lie about them and then throw some of them in jail to threaten those that group of people can we do that can we get away with it Mm. and the answer is yes they can and they did they're getting away with it right now. So, yeah. So this definitely has the potential to turn into something much, much worse. So, yeah. but that doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. That doesn't mean we we give up because that's also what they want. You know, <laughs> that's part oh, yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not. Yeah. Definitely not advocating that yeah. we we don't ever try, you know. Yeah. Yep. For sure. But yeah, we, we can't be afraid of what they're going to do. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. We just have to continue standing up for what what is true. Yep. Yes, indeed. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Jake, for bringing up these uh, these points and articles and yeah. really good sources. So we'll have all of those linked in the description. This is a huge conversation to have. So everybody should definitely scroll down, check out those links and, and read through some of those things. So very, very interesting. And we'll see how this plays out in the next two weeks. Um, so... Kind of within the same vein, um, my first article talks about um, COVID shots. And there's been some new research that came out. So I want to talk about some of that. Um, And really, this is what this is a part of what the uproar is about, but it's half of it, right? Half of this debate, half of the reason why the motivation behind why these truckers are doing what they're doing, and so many other people across all nations are fighting these things, right? Half of it is these are dangerous. I don't want to get this injected into my body. I don't trust this. I don't want this. And I choose not to do it. That's half of it. The other half is this is an over, you know, they're, they're stepping over their bounds. You know, we talked about Caesar and the realm and authority of Caesar a couple months ago. This is way out of Caesar's jurisdiction. This is not even remotely close to what the civil government is allowed to do, biblically speaking. So the fact that they think they can do this, also, they've gotten away with this before. In the 60s, I believe, they did this before. So this is nothing new. It's just With now, polio, wasn't it? I believe so. Yeah. 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 So there's precedent there, you know? Um, and 
that's a huge part of what they're fighting as well, is they're fighting that whole idea that the civil government thinks it can do that. So, but on the other half, this is what's so dangerous about the vac about, well, they're not vaccines, they're shots, they're jabs <laughs> by no definition of the word vaccine. Are they, they're not vaccines, they're jabs. Um, on January 16th, 2022, uh, let's see, Stephanie Seneff, a PhD, in conjunction with Dr. Peter McCullough, awesome, awesome doctor, and two other doctors worked on creating a research paper on the detrimental effects of the COVID jabs, twice as many reports of cancer. So these are some of the things that were in their research paper, twice as many reports of cancer following the COVID-19 shots compared to all other vaccines combined over the last 31 years. I'm going to read that again because that's, it's insane. Twice as many reports of cancer following the COVID shots compared to all other, all other vaccines combined over the last 31 years. The paper discusses several complex processes in which your brains, um, and I had to research this a little bit. I'm just using the terms that were in this, in this paper. It's fascinating stuff. There's a lot here, but I think they call it microglia, microglia, uh, which are essentially the immune cells in your brain react very poorly to the spike proteins in the jab, which results in inflammation to the brain and can contribute to a number of degenerative brain disorders. This is serious stuff. There are also antibodies that enhance disease rather than fight it. And the level of these antibodies declines at a slower pace than the protective antibodies. So essentially, you end up having more um, antibodies that enhance the disease than antibodies that fight the disease. So after a number of months, you end up with a negative immune response. In other words, you're now more prone to infection. You're, you're more prone than ever after you get these jabs. Um, also, increased risk of autoimmune diseases. Um, and this is a direct quote from the article. The SARS-CoV-2 spike protein is very overlapped with human protein. That means when you build a really strong antibody response to the spike protein, those antibodies can get confused. And here's the key part of this. And they can attack a human protein that has a similar sequence. That's a classic form of autoimmune disease. So they're actually attacking the human proteins. This is called molecule mimicry. Um, there were many different proteins that matched. It was quite surprising. It seems to be very well designed to induce autoimmune disease if you produce antibodies to those sequences in the spike protein. I mean, this stuff is insane. There is so many, there's so many other issues. I, I went halfway through the article and I was like, this is already more than enough to talk about because all of that. I mean, just one of those. I mean, I think it was, I was hearing from a couple different people several years ago. I think it was during the 90s. There was this experimental shot and four people, four people came down with some sort of adverse side effect. They immediately shut it down. Like that, that's the level of, of, um, the level of importance we, that they give. Yes, exactly. The level of care, the level of importance we used to put on human life. Yeah. Now with these, who knows how many hundreds of thousands of people have had severe side uh, adverse side effects. Um, and not to mention the fact that we can't even measure. This is a year. This is like this is after just a year of people getting yeah. jabbed with these with these chemicals, right? 
who knows what's going to happen, you know, 10 years down the road, five years down the road, four years down the road. We, we have no idea. So, and yeah, yeah, I, we were just at our church. We were just hearing of someone whose brother was in the hospital. They were getting a liver transplant and he was looking fine. It, it was going well. He was on a transplant list. And he was on the top 10 in, in Denver, Colorado. Wow. And so he it was looking fine. He was going to get uh, a liver transplant and, and it was going to be fine. But they required him to get the COVID-19 vaccine. Oh, the vaccine. Wow. wow. And so he got it. And <sighs> now it looks like he's failing and is going to die. Mm. And wow. that and... So, yeah, it, it really messed him up, and it was it was bad. Wow. So, yep. I don't understand why anyone is yeah. thinking that this is a good idea. Yeah, exactly. To get this this experimental chemical. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And while some of us will look at this information and share it because we want. To, to help people we want to say hey watch out for this these are studies you you want to trust the experts right that's their that's their tagline trust the experts you can't think for yourself trust them to do your thinking for you uh oh okay so you want me to trust the experts all right well here's some experts that disagree with you what are you going to do now because it used to be in the scientific world, a little something we used to call the scientific method. Maybe they've heard of it. Probably not, it seems like. But the scientific method <laughs> is the foundation for observable science. It says, don't trust yourself. Don't just trust your own eyes. Have other people look at it, replicate it, do it over and over and over and over again. Several experiments, several different ways of looking at it. Like, just test this thing super duper hard before you can take it up to the next level. I mean, this work usually takes years, like long, long periods of time before it even goes to any sort of test subject, right? We've given up on that. So when you try, it used to be that when something like this happened, they would get together a panel of scientists who all had varying opinions and varying uh, levels of experience and, and different perspectives because they wanted to hear it all. But what we're hearing now is no, our truth, our science, which is scientism, treat that as a religion and just follow our agenda verbatim. And so, as a result, this is what you get. DHS, Department of Homeland, Homeland Security, blames heightened te U.S. terror threat on spread of COVID-19 misinformation, in quotes. The DHS sent out a terrorism advisory bulletin on Monday, warning of a heightened threat environment, fueled in part by, here's their quote, false or misleading narratives and conspiracy theories. Spreading online, uh, those that were spreading online, and undermining public trust in government institutions. I'm sorry, but the last time I checked... The Founding Fathers didn't trust their government at all. And they created it. <laughs> they knew it was going to fail. And how did they know that? Because they had a biblical perspective 
on the human race. They knew that we were all fallen human beings and not one of us is infallible. That you need checks and balances for everything. And that's what they created. But here, the Department of Homeland Security is saying that they're that you're terrorists if you believe that. No, no, no. They're saying we are infallible human beings. Trust us with every fiber of your being and don't you dare think otherwise that we would try and hurt you. And they're saying that uh, uh, it's terrorist activity to undermine public trust in government institutions. The warning is set to expire in June unless renewed. So that's going to disappear. What they're doing now is they're literally showing you what they believe. They believe themselves to be small g gods. That's what they believe. Read this for yourself before it disappears. It's going to go away in June. So please scroll down to the description and read this for yourself. This is insanity. They're showing their cards in a big way. This is the Department of Homeland Security. The memo comes as the Biden administration attempts to crack down on the spread of misinformation and disinformation online. Last week, White House uh, Press Secretary Jen Psaki pushed the music and podcasting platform Spotify to further penalize podcast host Joe Rogan, one of the most popular podcasters in the world, after adding advisory warnings to some of his episodes. Spotify later removed over 100 past episodes of Rogan's show. What is the definition of fascism? <laughs> I'm pretty sure fascism means a relationship between corporations and civil government. That is what we are seeing here on terrifying levels. She said, you know, this is scary. We shouldn't have this. A couple weeks later, Spotify takes down over 100 episodes of Rogan's show. This is what's happening now. Uh, this is the rest of their quote. The proliferation of false or misleading narratives which sow discord or undermine public trust in U.S. government institutions is a key factor in the current heightened threat environment, the bulletin said. So I'm just going to leave that there. I'm going to leave that there because that insanity speaks volumes. So definitely check that out. This is what they believe. I, <clears throat> I find that very, like, just crazy that they're they're coming out and saying that the problem with these things is they undermine public trust in U.S. government. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's a bad thing. <clears throat> yeah. And <laughs> it's... So now it is wrong to even as, to even ask questions of right. it. Right. And, and that's what the... Uh, that's what the Chinese government is doing. Yep. You exactly. can't talk badly oh, about their yep. government. Brilliant correlation. Yep. Yep. That's where we're heading. That's that's what they want. Total control. I mean, I think uh, George Orwell called it the thought police. They want to yeah. control your thoughts. Yep. Yeah. They want you. They want to control their your access to information, your access to everything. That's where this is going. You cannot. And the founding fathers don't didn't want us to trust our own government because that would mean that they're infallible. That's not they are not infallible. I don't trust them. That's why there's checks and balances. <laughs> they're there for a reason. So, all right. Well, that was a very long conversation. This was really good. I thought this was going to be a shorter episode, but no. I think we are. Uh, we're doing like we're we're going to be pretty far on time. So. <laughs> 
Now we're going to move into the other half of our show, <laughs> the literature of the month. And uh, this month we read The Confessional County by Raymond Simmons. This week we read chapters uh, 10 and 11. Before I go on, though, did you want to add anything else to the current events section before moved on? I realized I didn't ask you, so. Um, no. no. Okay. That was it. Awesome. All right. Cool. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So, I'm just going to go through a couple of my bullet points that I picked up and um, – Feel free to hop in whenever you've got, uh, you know, something to add that you read that was interesting and um, just discuss some of these chapters. So Simmons started off chapter 10 by discussing the impact that culture has on our hearts and minds. And I thought this was really interesting. He he pushed for a reevaluation of just how much our modern Christian culture is affected by the secularists and the culture they're attempting to create. He brings up the pilgrims as an example. Um, it's important to note that the pilgrims went to Holland in order to escape religious persecution, not America. They went to Holland originally to escape religious persecution, but they traveled to America to provide a stronger heritage for their children. The pilgrims were extremely kingdom oriented and believed that the new world offered a fantastic opportunity to grow the kingdom of God generationally. <clears throat> without the immense interference from secular culture they had found in previous countries. So <clears throat> they they didn't move to America to escape. <clears throat> excuse me, something in my throat. They didn't move to America to escape religious persecution. They weren't being persecuted nearly as much as they were in England, in, in Holland, right? They went to America from Holland because they realized the secular culture in Holland was affecting their children, and they didn't want that. They saw the new world as an opportunity to start over and create a genuinely, comprehensively, and strongly, solidly Christian culture Gen on a generational level, right? From, from them to their children to their children's children all the way down, right? Because that's what we see in scripture over and over again, that generational uh, covenantalism from, from parent to children to grandparents or to grandchildren all the way down, right? <clears throat> that's what the pilgrims were seeking. So... That's really interesting to keep in mind as we go ahead. But is there anything you wanted to add to that conversation, Jake, before I moved on? No. no. Okay. <laughs> cool. Um, so Simmons says that the pilgrim's advice for us today would probably be something along the lines of, and here's his quote, if you can hold back the culture's influence long enough so that you can change it before it changes your children, you should stay. If not, you have no choice but to make some sort of change, end quote. So <clears throat> the whole theme here is genera generationally protecting our children is vitally important. We talked about this last month. Uh, oh, well, December. Or, no, I'm sorry. November. Good grief. <laughs> Months are flying by. We talked about that when we were reading Bradley Heath's book, Millstones and Stumbling Blocks. You know, we were talking about the dangers and evils of government schools. That's a huge... I mean, you want to talk about cultural influence on children. That is one of the scariest forms that... Satan has taken in his war against Christian children, the government schools, one mm -hmm. of the scariest forms. Um, but that's a perfect example of, of what the pilgrims would have despised. Can you imagine if the pilgrims today could see our culture and they saw government schools? What, I mean, their reaction, what do you think their reaction would be? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would be totally like, why are you doing this? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that that is so true that we need to change the culture before it changes our children. Yep. Otherwise, we need to make some sort of change. Yep. 
Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Simmons goes on to say that when we create a uniquely and comprehensively Christian society or county, the neighboring counties will become, and he used the word jealous, which I thought was really interesting. Um, they will begin to seek the same success that we are, that we found by searching out and implementing God's word throughout society. So that's, we were talking about being a light right before it's something that stands out. And, um, We've given this example several times in the past, but, you know, the example with uh, Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar, what God do you worship? That That's the true and living God. I want to worship that God, you know, because of the fruit, Daniel's fruit, Daniel's actions, that God, um, the, the, the great works that God did through Daniel. So um, they'll stand out as a light and the nations around, the counties around will start to question, wow. We want to do that. <laughs> How can we start doing it the same way? Um, he quoted Matthew 5, 16, which says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. And here's the key part. And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's Matthew 5, 16. So. Yeah, sort of talking about the same thing in the same vein. Yeah. Uh, in talking about this comprehensive Christianity, uh, Mr. Simmons brings up that if a county or a geophysical area follows God, then that area would become a beacon to all of the nations. Yes. And he backs up uh, his point with Deuteronomy 28.10. And uh, this goes hand in hand with the Matthew verse that you brought up. But uh, Deuteronomy 28.10 says... And all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee. Mm. Again, that is Deuteronomy yes. twenty ten. Love it. Yes. Perfect. Perfect example. Yeah, there, there are so many really good examples of this. And uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's important that we bring those to light because we can overlook them, gloss over them, right? But it's, it's important. I mean, we can't underestimate the impact that our actions have on others in, in very positive ways so yeah thanks for bringing that up jake um kind of along the same lines you know that i think that was page 116 i have the same quote um just a little before it he says comprehensive christianity does this it makes the nations jealous you can put all these god-ordained institutions covenanted with christ in one geophysical area and you are set to let the light shine because God designed it that way. It may not happen right away and it may not be easy, but we have to believe what the Bible says. Much like we talked about with uh, God and Government by Gary DeMar, we talked about how the founding fathers said, you know what, we're, you know, they came, you have to realize the culture they came from. They came from a culture where having a kingdom was normal. Having one man, a, a monarchy, ruling an entire nation his word verbatim was gospel truth, right? That's their culture that they came from. So to create the culture that they created was mind-blowing at the time. It was it was unthinkable. It, it hadn't been done in their in their environment before. But they came up with it not by looking around them, not by looking at each other, not by thinking in their own heads, but by looking at the word of God. They said, "Okay, what does the word of God say?" That's what we're going to do. And that's why we got the amazing nation that we have today. You know, they, they didn't question it. They said, well, this is the way that the word of God does it. This is how we're going to do it. Representative government, multiple checks and balances on multiple levels. We know that man is inherently sinful 
and is not infallible and we need to account for that. You know, all of those things, they knew that. And because they did that, they trusted God's word entirely. They stood out to the nations around them. Um, give me your tired. Give me your broken. Give me, you know, the that whole phrase where the people from other countries flocked to America because of the freedom it provided. It, it's really a beautiful thing when you read through Thomas Sowell's book talking about uh, ethnic America and all the different groups that came to America because of what they represented, because of the the freedoms and, and liberties that America provided, because it was based solely on God's word. It's a powerful thing, and we, we really need to focus on that. So Simmons goes on to comment on the correlation between comprehensive Christianity and beauty. On page 118, he says, we should see beauty as something that strings generations together. We should build things made to last generations and that are objectively beautiful, end quote. So I thought that was really interesting. And then he kind of goes on to talk about that a little bit more in his chapter. Um, But moving on to our next section, what did you find most interesting? Something you hadn't considered that way before. Um, Before I move on, though, was there anything, Jake, that you wanted to add before we move on to the next segment? Yeah. So another point that I had, which comes from the beginning of chapter 10, and uh, which was the phrase that James K.A. Smith said, which Simmons quotes, is the phrase, you can't not love. Yes. And I I like this because it ties into the idea of you can't serve two masters and also the myth of neutrality. Yes. Um, but that you will always love something uh, and you will always believe in something. Mm. And, yeah. and so y- you can't be neutral. Because there will always be something you will love greater than something else. Yes. Oh, that that's a really good point to make. Yeah, and and being aware of that too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's that's really good. Thank you, Jake, for bringing that up. Yeah, I read that quote. It's another one of those things where I'm like, oh, man, I hope somebody bring this. Hope somebody <laughs> brings this up. So I'm, I'm I'm glad you caught that. That was really good. Um. So he also adds a note about technology and discusses how it is a gift from God that we shouldn't shun, but instead figure out how to use for his glory. He also warned us not to fall prey to the social uses, um, and I'm sorry, societal uses of technology, believing that they are the only possible uses for God's gift, right? We as Christians need to take the things we've been given, think outside the box and figure out how to use them for God's glory. So uh, you have a point on that, Jake. Yeah, yeah, and... I do that. That's another thing that I found from uh, this chapter was this the book that uh, Douglas Jones and Douglas Wilson wrote, yeah, uh, which was about medievalism, and medievalism. that people look <laughs> to the past and say it is a golden age mm. that Christianity th- thrived in the society because there was less technology. However, that is not the case, mm. and what and. And also, we, we can't go to the other extreme and say, then all of the technology or technology is the only way. Yes. Uh, but we, we have to find a, an in-between, a middle, yes. middle section. It, it, we, we can't be going to extremes. Yeah. And we have to come to the realization that both modern technolo- technology and the Christian culture can be combined together. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Um, yeah, and realizing that God has given us the technologies we have today for a reason. Um, 
we we need to figure out what that reason is. We need to use the gifts that we've been given for his glory. Yeah. Yep. That's that's awesome. Yes, indeed. Um, so Raymond Simmons went on to talk about the importance of worship. He covered a lot of things in these chapters. <laughs> so, but the way that he connected them was was really interesting. And you, you're not going to get the, the full essence of how he connected them from our conversations here. It's a little disjointed, but really you should you should read through these chapters because they're they're really good and he talked about um really tied all these together really well so uh, but he went on to talk about the importance of worship and I, I found it interesting how he discussed feasting as a form of worship i was like oh feasting okay that's really interesting um and he talked about how that was a form of worship that was practiced by both joshua and ezra um he added that uh both men feasted right in front of their enemies demonstrating the fact that God was on their side and their victory was assured. It was a bold stance to take, uh, but it pressured their enemies into a vastly different mental state. They had to realize that they were dealing with people who had the creator of heaven and earth on their side. So I thought that was really powerful. Good to bring up. Uh, In chapter 11, Simmons addressed the topic of localism. Uh, He says that it's impossible to have uh, globalism without localism. Uh, Essentially, he's trying to convey the fact that localism and handling things on a local level is vitally important, right? That's not losing its, its importance, even in our globally connected world where you can talk to somebody all the way across the world instantaneously, right? We haven't, that's, it's the, the, the whole getting together face to face with people and working on a local level in your community. That's never going to change. That's never going to go away completely. So we really need to focus on that, even though we have other options now. Um, Localism is not just a disappearing fad. In fact, on page 152, he says, and here's his quote, all of God's covenants are connected to the land in one way or another. And these covenants act as the glue for localism, end quote. He lists several examples on his, uh, of this. I'm sorry, he lists several examples of this on pages 126 and 127. Um, And uh, I'm just going to read through some of those. But before I do, Jake, did you have anything you wanted to add before... I got to this next bit. Yeah, I, I love this. And it it really gives encouragement to the churches, the smaller churches that you don't have to think broad and big and think that we, we have to get to globalism right now. Well, no, the, the first step is starting locally. Yeah. Starting with the smallest little bit and working our way up. Yes. That's awesome. And so we, as long as we're going out evangelizing or changing the it on a local level and, and doing something, we will slowly but surely get to globalism. Nice. Yep. That's awesome. That is totally true. Totally agree. Um, so a few examples that Simmons listed in regards to covenants being related to the land and how this relates to uh, localism was uh, on pages 126 and 127, large quote from Simmons. He says, God gave man stewardship over the Garden of Eden. That's Genesis chapter 2, 15. A, uh, a pilot, essentially a pilot project to take care of the land. He renewed the covenant with Noah, Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. And again, it involved the earth with a natural sign, the rainbow. Um, let's see, Genesis, uh, that was Genesis chapter nine, verse 13. God guaranteed Abraham a specific portion of the earth, Genesis 17, verse eight, promising the whole earth 
to his descendants by faith. That's Genesis 22:18. The covenant with Moses gave Israel the promised land. Exodus chapter 6 verse 4. God renewed the land promise in the little commission to Joshua. And that's in Joshua chapter 1 verses 2 through 3. And the new covenant shows Jesus expanding the idea in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verse 5. We see the same concept in the Lord's Prayer and the Great Commission, end quote. So, I mean, just all throughout scripture, <laughs> it's, you, you can't ignore it. Um, the importance of local, getting involved locally, the importance of localism, and the, the fact that the land still matters, like what we do here in a physical, earthly way, still matters. It's both spiritual and physical. So that's that's kind of what all of this culminates to. Uh, Simmons tied the Great Commission to localism in the sense that while the whole earth is to be baptized and made disciples, that's not something we can just do remotely. Simmons makes the point that Christ said to go and make disciples of all the nations. So go locally, go to where the people are. This is a local thing. You have to be there and do it. Boots on the ground, essentially, you know. We have to be there on local levels to transform those societies. On page 130, Simmons started discussing cities, which I will get to in a second. Jake, did you have anything you wanted to add before we move on from the topic of localism and move on to some of the other things? Did you want to chat about localism at all, or was that uh, was that it? I just kind of was thinking of... Uh... What if it was stay and disciple the nations right. instead of go? You yes. Know? Yeah. That doesn't seem right. Right, right. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, all those little things you don't you don't pick up reading. Then it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. We have to go there. We have to do it. You know, like this is this is a very active thing that we have to do. So, yeah. And and I also find it interesting, especially just, just within that, verse there go therefore discipling the nations and again that that nations is not just individuals where we're, yes. we're they are to change that nation yeah not just not just the people in that nation changing the government as well yep yep exactly the entire society yep yeah social confessionalism yeah. <laughs> absolutely on uh, on page 130 simmons started discussing cities and I thought this was a really interesting, uh, interesting topic. So he says cities are important. Without a doubt, cities are more influential than country towns. Jesus wanted Paul to preach at Jerusalem and at Rome. That's Acts 23.11. The early church strategically went into influential cities. It is usually the cities that turn tides in world history, end quote. So they're important. We can't just ignore them. Some people don't like to live in them. Some people do, like myself. Um, but we can't just completely ignore them. They're important. If we if we pull out of cities entirely, the world's going to collapse. We need Christian influence everywhere. And that includes the cities. It includes the countryside. It includes civil government. It includes everything. So just saying, get out of the cities, go to the countryside, is not a long-term strategy that's going to succeed. Because cities are historically, the most influential places, the things that change the tides of history. He states that cities are not entirely or inherently evil. In fact, he lists Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 3 as proof that cities can be blessed just as much as the countryside. They just need to be handled properly. Um, 
So before I go on to some further examples, did you want to add anything to that conversation, Jake? No. Okay. Um, so Raymond Simmons on page 130 compares ancient cities to modern cities. And he says the modern city lacks accountability. Ancient cities had more accountability because they were more connected. That meant that the gospel was transmitted faster and more face-to-face. Jonah preached to Nineveh, a large city, and the whole city repented, including the king. Ancient cities did not have air-conditioned offices and homes and mobile capsules, automobiles, that could carry you from your garage to the other edge of the city without ever looking at anyone, much less talking to them, end quote. He also talks about the lack of heavily populated public squares or places where people congregate to uh, congregate with each other face to face. We really need more of those. We need more of those sorts of things. We need to draw people out more, bring them together, congregate them more so that the gospel can be spread the same way it was in the ancient cities, right? That that contributed greatly to how that was spread. Um, the concept of an open farmer's market where everyone ends up having to go uh, having to go to this market at some point for their food is largely not something you find in most cities. Unfortunately, grocery stores don't lend themselves very well to the same sorts of interactions we used to have in those sorts of markets. So what we're talking about here is not, you know, not just meeting people where they are now, right? Because right now everybody's on social media, everybody's on the digital world. So we have to be there too. We have to infiltrate that world too. We have to represent Christ and Christianity online. But we also should be trying to draw people out of that world eventually too. You know, like you getting them not to spend all their time there. Even secular psychiatrists and psychologists now are talking about all the horrible effects that social media has on your brain. And spending all your time in this virtual world is really bad for you. So showing people that, drawing them out, getting things back to how they used to be where we actually met together face to face. You know, like one of the things that COVID did was make this harder for us, was give us now uh, 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 stigmas against getting together in groups, right? We're like, oh no, we're going to kill people. You know, We're going to kill grandma if we go out and see other people face to face the way God created us to be. We're, we're interactive beings for a reason. So, and I, yeah, go ahead. I just, two little uh, points. Yeah, but- go for it. Isn't isn't that kind of interesting that first of all we we know that COVID is a man-made right uh, yeah uh, disease and it's kind of interesting that the gospel thrives when people are grouped mm. in large yes. groups like that yes and that COVID directly affected mm-hmm. that yeah and coincidence yeah. I think not <laughs> right right yeah and. But then, then my second point is basically a question. How do we get, how would you say we get people out of yeah. the, the social media aspect? How, how, what, what can the regular person, the, just the, the individual do to do yes. that? Yes, totally, totally valid question. I love that question. Um, and... There's a lot that can be said about that from my perspective. Just a few things I can think of, think of offhanded um, is create – we need more in-person events, right? Um, there's an event that we're going to be doing in April, and I can't share all the details about that yet because they're not finalized. But once I have more details for that, I'll be able to share it on this show and promote it. But 
go to events like that, like we're trying to, to, to do there. Um, go to, uh, we had, uh, what was it called in the park? We had Hills Alive, uh, which was essentially like a huge music concert, you know, where Christians gathered together in, in the parks. I mean, we probably had close to, I couldn't even estimate 5,000. Like it was just, it was massive. The whole park was full of people, those sorts of things, having uh, large restaurants, um, you know, you being the chef that you are and that you want to be uh, having restaurants where, where people come together more and, and facilitating those sorts of discussions, having events, having music, having, you know, things that are actually happening in person. Look for those opportunities, right? I, I can't account for all of them because, I mean, I, I don't know how you would do that in your sphere of life, right? You as our audience. But um, I know from my perspective, I would try and get people together for music. I would try and get them together for all sorts of different events, maybe programming or whatever, and, and talk to them there face-to-face. Those sorts of conversations need to be had more. So Yeah, yeah. And like we discussed in our second book that we did in, in the show that – Use your God-given talents yes, and abilities. Exactly. And first of all, for me, that would be cooking. Uh, yeah. Using cooking in order to do that, or yeah. other other types of jobs. You know what? What? What is those jobs? What are what? What facilitates the group aspect? What? Yes. What? What would bring people in uh, together? And and I can understand myself culinary and cooking. Quite an easy answer there because restaurants are where groups of people typically <laughs> join. Yes. That's why the majority of them had to shut down during COVID. Mm. But, and, and that's point. quite easy. And then for you, Bruce, that would be music. Yeah. And that's already entertainment. That's where people come out yeah. and listen. Yeah. But just like thinking outside of the box for really anything, uh, I would I would find it interesting what uh, ideas Joe would have for yeah, uh, right. electrical, <laughs> you know. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, absolutely. So yeah, we need we need to have more of those sorts of discussions within the church and um, get together as groups more. Do things with yeah. your church more, you know. Um, not just Sundays, but how can you get together? every week, two or three times a week, you know, get, get together more and interact more with your church family. You're stronger that way as a group of people that are connected on that deeper level. Yeah. Um, all right. Moving on to our next segment, unless you have anything to add, Jake. Okie doke. So, uh, what part of the reading do you think most applies to the theme of the month? So these are some of the points that we've drawn that we think apply most to our theme this month and our theme this month and January as well, uh, has been, what does it really mean to be salt and light in this dark world? So how do we preserve and how do we shine in this world? How do we shine and, and, and make, uh, something that, 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 that kind of stands out and people question, Whoa, what is that? What was that? Let, let's study that more. Let's look at that, right? How do we do those things? So I, I think what we were literally just talking about would fit right in with exactly. with this here. Yes. Having those discussions and like, yes, what can we do? Like, what what is your ability? What is your gift to do this and to continue um, create doing this uh, localism? Yes. You know. Oh yeah, one hundred percent, totally. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um. So. 
something that Simmons says during his wrap-up of chapter 10. So I'm kind of going back a little bit. We were talking about chapter 11, but I'm just going to draw something from his wrap-up of chapter 10. I, I just want to say I, I love the fact that he, at the end of each chapter, he takes a section, like a page, and just wraps up what he talked about that whole chapter. It's really, really cool the way that, that he does that. So it's kind of like, oh, jog your memory about what you read, and then be like, oh, I forgot about this little part. Let me go back and see if I can find that. And you end up finding things that you might have missed the first time through. So it's pretty cool. So during his wrap-up of chapter 10, um, he says that, and here's his quote, Christian culture is not something that happens at the end. It happens along the way. Christian culture is putting God's ethics into public action. That is what we are praying for when we pray God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. End quote. This, I think, perfectly sums up our theme. Our goal every day as salt and light is to Christianize our culture comprehensively. We talked about the comprehensive Christianity, every aspect. There's no sacred and secular. It's all sacred. There's no two kingdoms. It's all one kingdom under Christ, right? We should be working to, and then this was part of that quote that I just, I loved, put God's ethics into public action put God's ethics, his principles, his law into public action today. So I, I thought that was really, really cool. So uh, anything you want to add to that, Jake, before I move on? No, that that quote is really good. I, I like that. Put yeah. God's ethics into public action. Yeah. yeah. That's, yep. Yeah. Put that on one of our t-shirts someday. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 Cool. Uh, so I have, I have two more points to wrap up here. Near the end of chapter 11, Simmons talks about resisting tyranny and brought up several points from the book, The Lesser Magistrates, written by Matt Tru uh, Truella. I'm going to say Truella. Uh, and uh, interestingly enough, we are actually going to be reading that on the show. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah. Here it is. Right here. So we're going to be reading that, I think, in a couple months from now, maybe near the end of this year, maybe the middle of this year. We haven't quite finalized it yet, but we're going to be getting into that book. So this is like a sneak peek into that, which will be cool. Um, one of Truella's main points was that the lesser magistrates, and by the way, they're less in hierarchy, not importance. It doesn't mean that they're less important. It just means that on a hierarchical level, when we're talking about civil government, we have counties or, or yeah we we have cities inside of counties inside of states inside of, you know it's well counties inside of districts inside of states inside of you know so anyways it bubbles up so we're talking about magistrates that are closer to the people down a level right um so the lesser magistrates should be our first line of defense against a tyrannical civil government. A great example of this is how each state largely made its own decisions regarding COVID-19 restrictions during the past few years. So it's a really good example of um, lesser, the lesser magistrates, in this case, the states making decisions on the behalf of their, on, on behalf of their people, right? So that's why I moved out here, South Dakota, because I believed that the magistrate here was far better than the magistrate in Pennsylvania, and they were looking out for the good of their people here in South Dakota. They 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 chose to preserve the rights of their people, and they said no mass mandates, none of this. We're not doing that, and they said live your life, make your own decisions, think for yourself. And I was like, okay, I have to be there. <laughs> so, um, and that was a great example of the lesser magistrates resisting tyranny. Because that's their job. That's what they should be doing. Um, so anything you wanted to add to that before I moved on to my final point, Jake? No. Nope. All nope. right. Yeah. 
Cool. Um, in his book, Truella talks about how Daniel and those with him defied unbiblical decrees with the assistance of lesser magistrates. In our own time, we need to turn to our lesser magistrates on a local level or run against and replace them if they're unwilling to listen. And we need to call them to stand up for the truth. Capital T, truth. We need to call them to confessionalism and comprehensive Christianity. And that was my final point. I, I thought that was really important to, to draw that out, um, talk about uh, Truella's book. Um, so very interesting things there, and I can't wait to get into that book. So anything you wanted to add before we wrapped up? No, I, I just, I like that point. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All nice. right. Cool. Well, we didn't have Joe, which was sad, but we still had some good conversations. So. Oh yeah. Well, looking forward to having him back. <laughs> I, I wish I wish he was here to join in in those conversations. That would yes, have been really I, interesting yes, uh, indeed. thing that he came up with if uh, he was here. Yeah, for sure. So send us uh, send us some emails if you want to hear Joe's perspective on some of these things. Send us some send him some questions and we'll pass them on to him. So I'm sure he'd love to get some of those emails. So uh, you can do that by sending them to our show's inbox, which is trdshow at protonmail.com. Again, that's show stands for The Reform, the Reform Dissenters, trdshow at protonmail.com. Our website is trdshow.net. Grab that link, share it with as many people as you can. That link contains all sorts of information about our show. It's about to get a huge upgrade on that website very shortly. So make sure you share that around now so that uh, when that update comes out, um, everybody will get the uh, cool new stuff that we've been working on. So um, next week, we will not be uploading an episode, but we will be the week after that. So unfortunately, if you're looking for an episode for us next week, you'll be missing an episode, which is sad. But uh, we will be right back after that. And until then, we will see you in the next episode. And remember, everyone, in all that you do, do as unto the Lord.